Alan Smith, what's happening right now? Um, you were listening to Baltimoreans. Uh, would that be the it's possible that you're listening to Baltimore? Would that be could the, be? Would that be the home of the all-weather fan? I think it's more baseball things occasionally considered. Huh. And what is your name? My name is Anigo Montoya. You killed my father. I did. I'm sorry about Prepared that. Prepared to die. Uh, well, I deserve it. Baltimoreans. Should we? Uh Use that as our intro? I'm going to use that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, great. I'm, I'm leaving that in. <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> Baseball is occasionally considered in these parts, Baltimoreans. Yes, quite occasionally. We just don't tell you about it anymore, suckers. Yeah. Have, uh, this, this may be our first episode of 2016. I think we had one or two more back in, uh, back in the pre-spring training days. Mm, mm, the swirling mists of winter. When, when hope sprung eternal. Back in the, the Dexter Fowler optimism days. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Dexter Fowler doing quite well over there in Chicago, by the way. Yes, indeed. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we are very pleased to be back with you for what we hope will be the first of a new, much more regular series of Baltimoreans broadcasts, where we're going to sit down on Sunday, watch ourselves a little baseball game. You can probably hear Gary Thorne in the background. Hopefully it's not too loud. Maybe I should turn that down. Little little right along Sunday for you out in Baltimoreans land. Yeah. Uh, we realized that because of the excellent analysis work coming out of such fantastic podcasts as our, I guess, probably still sister wives, because, you know... Blood's thicker than water, but not sure what the what the whole state of the Baltimore Sports Support Network is. But if 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 they would still have us as members, we'd we'd like to uh, pay our dues. Anyway, they're doing the analysis. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're sitting over here, just you know, on a Sunday afternoon. May drink a few beers when we finish this coffee. Yeah, uh, we're gonna watch a baseball game, you know and what? we're gonna tell you every so often when we have something that we think is worthy of telling you. So, uh, Baltimore Orioles, Sam, coming off of a, a split doubleheader yesterday where um, the f- day game saw the Orioles once again unable to hit a soft to- tossing lefty. Yep. Uh, as is our want. It turns out that the death of the Orioles, and this has been true for years, is junk balling pitchers and slap hitting offenses. Chris Archer, no problem. David Price, not a, not an issue. Justin Verlander, bring it. Although Justin Verlander is no longer a good pitcher. <laughs> Why did that? But happen? we did that. <laughs> we did that. That's, like that's our think. bad. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you get a, you get you get us against a, 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 a infield single hitting Kansas City Royal style offense. And Chris Young, the ghosts come out. Chris Young. I, I was thinking yesterday when I was watching the game uh, that when we're up against a Chris Young, a Jared Weaver, not that the Angels are a slap hitting team, but uh, I don't think the Angels are a hitting team anymore. No, that's true. <laughs> nor, nor a pitching one. Packed it in. Sorry, Angels fans. That's unnecessarily cruel. Uh, but you get us up there against a Rich Hill, a Jared mm. Weaver, mm. a Chris Young. It's trouble. You know what we look like, Smith? Look like a bunch of drunk lumberjacks. <laughs> <laughs> Just lunging and hacking. Yeah. yeah hoping no, it's, for the best. It's, uh, it's real grim. It's real grim. And it, it's interesting... Um, the the Baltimore offense, uh, the thing that we were counting on to to lead us to safety, mm. I I don't believe has scored more than a run a game until the nightcap last night in a series and a half. <laughs> oh yeah, and and that is by the way against the New York Yankees, who are for those of you keeping score at home, bad the third or fourth <laughs> worst team in baseball, bad team. 
and the Athletics, who are not exactly world beaters. World beaters. Yeah. Yep. No, it's not. It's not a good. It's not a good sign. And we knew coming into this season that this was going to happen. That we'd have um, some some big, uh, you know, dry spells as all of these gigantic bats that you know people find holes in your swing if you swing as hard as Chris Davis and Mark Trumbo. It's a boomer bust economy. We're, <laughs> we're but running. what was weird about it is that um, two of our last three starting pitchers have gone eight innings. This is the thing, Smith. What what do we make of that? You can actually extend this back about two weeks. No. We've been getting a series of quality starts mm. from your Chris Tillmans, from your Mike Wrights. Mike Wrights was not good yesterday. He got a little blowed up yesterday. <laughs> but that, again, was not because he got hit hard. It's because right. his emotions got the better of him. Yes. Uh, Kevin Gosman has been throwing darts. I'm, I, but is he elite he is yeah we don't score runs for him no we don't do that we don't do that uh, i have to say that yankees game that he pitched he was in line for a maddox through seven and a half innings was one of the more frustrating baseball experiences of the season so far because we just can't get that hit with a runner on second base now that's amazing to me because and this was true last year so it tells you how much bearing it has on the standings at the end of the season but we are, I believe, still leading the world in batting average with runners in scoring position, despite the fact that we've been in this deep trough 14. lately. So, as much as the Masson broadcast team loves to trumpet that statistic from the hilltops, it's clear that it, that alone will not translate. <laughs> Although, there's also a little bit more of a warning sign here, which is, as we talked about so many times last year, when the pitching was on, the offense didn't show up. And when the offense was really slamming, the pitching uh, was also being slammed. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so just sync up for a week. God damn it. So, Sam, uh, as we watch on the TV as Chris Tillman takes the mound against the Oakland Athletics, mm. um, I want your gut reaction to the Orioles in pink thing that happens on Mother's Day. I believe I'm on record on this very program saying that I think the let's just make stuff pink and that means we care about women is total garbage. Total garbage. I also think in 2016, it's fairly offensive to women to say, hey, look, we made stuff pink. You broads love pink, don't you? That's not... That's not what we do in 2016 when we try to show women that we respect them. We don't just make stuff pink. No, and we don't do it for one day and then summarily forget about all of the other ways in which professional sports are bad for women. Although, it it does occur to me, Smith, that the grand old party, Uh the Republicans... Yes. Didn't you miss this, Baltimoreans? Has Chris Tillman works a 0 and 2 count to begin the game. In the, no, 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 forget about that. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. about to say something sorry. very, very funny. Okay. The Republicans in 2016, in an attempt to win women's votes, have literally nominated a pink human being. <laughs> hey! We'll be here all week. Oh, come on. Well, Billy Burns who Alan and I were saying before we turned on the microphones, is basically Adam Eaton in disguise, 
who apparently comes to Baltimore once a series to torment us. Just eats us up. Has just beaten out um, what my good friend Ben Mastin calls a flapshit of a hit. <laughs> so here's my other concern with the pink. And I, I feel like, um, yes, all the things we just said, including the, uh, I think, correct observation that the GOP has only only capitulated to women in one way during this season, which is to elect a pink man. But some color structures work better with pink than others. So if you're looking at um, the umpire here, I kind of like the pink mask. I could get behind that being a perpetual thing. The black and the pink, it's very nice. Mm -hmm. The Oakland team with the green and the gray and the gold, there's no space for pink there. It's it just looks terrible. It it's not and uh, it looks confusing. It's very eighties. Is it? It's very eighties music video. I don't like it at all. Well, this is a classic Chris Tillman first inning here, so let's talk about the fact that Manny Machado is now playing shortstop, Sam. <laughs> you don't want to talk about the fact that Chris Tillman hit Mark Canna uh, and then gave up yet another opposite field single to a left-handed batter? I don't really want to talk about that. Driving in really the, that. the Athletics' first run of the game? I, I would prefer to uh, reflect on all of the good starts that are... <laughs> quality starts that our that our pitching has been putting up but uh machado at, at at shortstop do we think that this rattles his uh hot offensive start that's an interesting question it has seemed in the early going of the manny machado at shortstop experience which there isn't a whole lot of evidence in the briefing book on that just yet but it has seemed like he's not quite as sure of himself at shortstop and doesn't play with quite the same swagger that you see him play third base with. And so I think it's fair to wonder if that, if that translates, translates over. Translates into the, into the batter's box. He has, uh, it certainly does not seem that, uh, at Stephen Vogt, by the way, stepping to the plate with what appears to be a floral print uh, under armor right arm guard. That is spectacular. And see, this is the thing. And he's also wearing a floral print belt. And it appears to have a floral print on the bat. I think that's awesome, but why does he only do that on Mother's Day? Sure, sure. Yeah, man, if you're gonna if you're gonna go floral print, make it a thing. But I think that it is fair to wonder and fair to question whether or not Buck is uh, unnecessarily messing around because it doesn't really matter to me. I mean, Flaherty can play kind of anywhere in the infield. I know he's not the plus defender that J.J. Hardy is, but. He's not that plus defender when you put him at third base either. Well, I'm I'm more of a Paul Yanish man, personally. Oh, yeah? Because I feel like you're not getting a whole lot of offense out of J.J. Hardy, but you know you're getting elite-level defense. So why don't you just put a defender in there who can soak up that stuff and I, leave Manny over there in the hot corner? Exactly. Ladies and gentlemen, Danny Valencia just bounced one off the dirt in front of home plate that bounced so high in the air that it made it so that there was not time for any Orioles fielder to get it and throw him out at first base, causing another run to score. Perfect Baltimore chop. Perfect. This 
is the kind of thing that we seem to be devastated by. It's completely unable to figure out how to defend. And, you know, it's obviously early in the game. There's two outs in the bottom of the first inning, uh, but it's already feeling like it's going to be a long afternoon. But there's something about this kind of game that seems to demoralize the Orioles in the way that getting behind on a couple of three-run home runs doesn't. What is that? I, I mean, I, th- I think I think it really is becoming a uh, ghost sort of situation. I think because of the way we lost to Kansas City, and because of the way that sort of like mm, the, you mean in the, the in the in the uh, championship series mm-hmm, in 2014, mm-hmm. uh, that that this is the sort of thing that I think I think that there's a lot to be said for. Um, uh, how a crowd reacts to a bad event. And I think a lot of crowds react to this sort of thing like, well, it doesn't really count, um, and we're okay, and uh, you know they're not hitting the ball hard, so we're going to be fine. I was watching the Toronto Raptors play basketball. Now, I don't know if you know this, Sam, but the Toronto Raptors... Uh, uh, these are dinosaurs on a basketball court? Since <laughs> they that seems dangerous. moved Toronto, have never made it out of the first round of the playoffs. And they're starting to feel a little bit like the Cubs or the, you know, the Orioles in small ball situations where as soon as the game starts to go badly, everybody gets really quiet. And then something good happens and everyone cheers like a little bit too loud and a little bit too hard because they're trying to kind of will themselves back into the game and get back the energy. But they can't quite do it because everyone's just so scared of another gut punch. And I think at some point, that starts to become part of the DNA of the fans. And when you're at home, then that starts to become the DNA of the, of the, of the crowd. Um, I mean, of, of the team. So in, in some ways, it's actually better for Toronto to go play away. They play better because they play looser. They're not worried about everyone sort of collectively freaking out that they might lose this game. Um, I think that that might be true for the Orioles. Like I think that when they get into these situations of these small ball dinks and dunks type thing it's always at camden yards it's always with a collective trauma memory of our our uh fan base and people instead of thinking you know we can get this back no one hit the ball hard no one's squaring up tillman instead we all think oh no here we go again yeah it's interesting it it, it feels to me like there's something about it which is a collective reality check yeah where this is a very solid team i think their record and the way that they've played over the last few years bears that out. This is a team that, by and large, can compete and win in the American League. But there is a huge, and has been for years, and we have not really done anything to address it, a huge glaring problem with this team, which is that we can't play small ball. We right. can't steal bases. We can't hit to the opposite field. We can't, get on, we can't work counts. We can't get on base. We can't do all of those little things. And it turns out that most of the time, that is not going to prevent you from being successful. But in moments where it is such an obvious setback against a team that is good at that, it, I think, prompts this kind of existential crisis where we realize, like, uh-oh, if every team that we played against just exploited this weakness, we would not win a single game. Right, right. Yeah, and, <clears throat> I mean, it is also true that I imagine other fan bases are looking at the Baltimore Orioles and thinking, my God, they hit so many home runs. How are we ever going to beat them? 
And um, after I just said all that, Rickard just drew a leadoff walk. <laughs> five pitch walk. First. <laughs> Great. Good job, Joey. Now steal a base. Um, he he won't do that. He won't do that. That's not in his, <laughs> that's not in his game. Um, but no, I I, I think I think that that it is also important to remember that uh, we're looking at this from the side of things that is always losing these games. Um, and I'm not, you know, necessarily saying this game goes in the books as a loss just yet, but <laughs> I've, uh, I've pretty much got it marked down that way. <laughs> three runs is a lot. Three runs is a lot against Kendall Graveman. Yeah, I mean, look out, look out. <laughs> Kendall Graveman again is the type of dude that tends to give us fits. Whoops! Wild pitch from Kendall Graveman. <laughs> Joey Rickert down to second base. <laughs> little little small ball here for the Baltimore Orioles. <laughs> well, maybe if we just keep. Keep saying this the nonsense. <laughs> Keep belaboring the point, live and in color. So, Ladies fuck and gentlemen, small ball. Fuck it. <laughs> Who needs small ball? Manny Machado has just hit an opposite field two-run home run to bring the Orioles to three to two. He really, he really smacked it too. Um, Manny Machado appears to be. Well, I mean, outside of Bryce Harper, is Manny Machado an MVP candidate so far this season? I think, I certainly think so. He got AL Player of the Month in April. I mean, I think it's, I think it's very hard to find another player in the American League who you can compare to Manny, at least so far, in terms of the totality of contributions that he's making. All right. He changes the game with his defense. Yeah. And it is, aside from speed, because he's not really stealing any bases so far this year. He does everything else. It's about as devastating an offensive attack as you can get. He hits the ball the other way with authority. He hits a lot of doubles. uh, And that was his eighth home run of the year, putting him on pace for something in the uh, high 30s to low 40s. Well, Chris Davis also has eight home runs on the year. And yes. is only hitting 202. So, <laughs> but yes, but uh, I, I think we all knew that we were uh, signing Chris Davis to a Rob Deere contract as Chris Davis draws one of the three true outcomes. <laughs> a Chris walk. Davis walks, making the uh, Kendall Graveman look less less terrifying than perhaps it was set out to be. Graveman, uh, we've just been informed by the Masson broadcast, has thrown 10 balls against just four strikes. And one of those strikes got struck. <laughs> Now, this is all fun. We're having a nice time here <laughs> in the bottom of the first inning. How you doing, Baltimoreans? But we'd be, we'd be having a nicer time Good. if Chris Tillman had not... No, no. We'd be having a nicer time if the, the Baltimore chop had settled nicely into Chris Tillman's glove and he had thrown over first. Because Valencia should have been out on that hit because it was a bullshit chopper. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Adam Jones cruising on the Mendoza line here steps into the box I'm just imagining like what what uh, what what is the actual transportation equivalent of, of something called the Mendoza line and oh. Jonesy bouncing into the double play single-handedly killing the rally yeah yeah looking uh, looking at a solid 198 from Adam Jones on the year so far one of the things about Adam Jones as a player is that he seems to be the kind of guy who he's a vocal leader. He's a clubhouse guy. Everyone likes him. But I think it's really hard to talk and to be a leader when you're struggling like that. 
I think it becomes very hard to do all the things that you otherwise do, keeping everyone else's spirits up when you yourself are are really stuck at the bottom of one of these really bad droughts. Because he's not hitting well, it feels a bit like he can't do any of the other things that make him great. There's a couple ways of looking at that as Mark Trumbo slaps one into left field for a base hit. Mark Trumbo, singles or dingers? Singles or dingers? Or strikeouts. Mike, well, or strikeouts. <laughs> um, by the way, Jim Palmer just referred to the pitch that Trumbo hit as cheese at the knees, which makes me <laughs> endlessly happy. Um, Matt Wieters is up, so here comes another ground ball, and we'll be out of the inning momentarily. Um, it's an interesting point that you just made, Alan Smith. I feel personally, like there's a way in which that phenomenon that you're talking about can be modulated by various other factors. For example, the team in general is playing pretty good baseball right now. Mm -hmm. So it's not as though Adam Jones's struggling is holding the team back. I mean, we did enter play today in first place. We would certainly be doing better and putting less pressure on other parts of the offense if Adam Jones was hitting more. But it hasn't affected his defense, it doesn't seem. He's, oh, he's still playing excellent center field. Yeah, still getting a lot of assists in the outfield. All of that is still is still fairly normal. He's still hustling just as much as he ever has. Um, and not that this means anything, but on Twitter, he has been putting up this hashtag after every game, which is hashtag clean you ish up 10. So I think there's an, a personal accountability component to what he does that you wouldn't necessarily see from other players. And he, he's doing that in a very public forum. So... I think that that probably does speak volumes to a team um, where that knows that it's going to be a somewhat streaky team because the offense is structured the way we've discussed as a kind of boomer bust sort of situation, and that what's important is the continued head down intensity that we have seen. At the same time, if, as is increasingly whispered about, he is hurt to the point that he can't really generate the bat speed that he was able to bet to generate in the past. And he's refusing to come out of the lineup for pride reasons. And the team starts to not do as well. I think we could see it tilt over in the other direction and become not so much of a force for good in mm -hmm. terms of, in terms of the clubhouse. So that, I, I agree with you. That's definitely something that we need to watch very closely here in it's the early going. Chris Coughlin, who is it? Coughlin, Coughlin, who is this guy and what position does he actually play? Last time I saw him, he was single-handedly destroying us as a member of the Cubs. Get out of baseball, you punk. <laughs> Ugh. He's apparently playing second base for the Athletics. What is this? I believe he won Rookie of the Year in 2009 playing right field for the Marlins. <laughs> Just go away. <laughs> We're or pick, done with you. Or pick something. That's all. Or maybe come on over to baltimore <laughs> because we could use a high on base percentage utility player Ugh. by the way i feel like since i've been hard on steven vote for wearing various flower print accoutrement as part of this game it should be noted that chris tillman appears to appears to be wearing flowered cleats i like them again me like too him. just don't only wear them on mother's day no that's true this is a classic Tillman game, ladies and gentlemen. Classic Tillman game. Uh, he appeared to be cruising into the 50 pitch in two innings range and then somehow gets a strike him out, throw him out, and a pop. And suddenly we're at 38 pitches through two 
and he looks competent. You know, if I were a little bit more sabermetrically inclined than I am, Smith, uh-huh. I might say, nay, admit that this is perhaps why people are always predicting regression for Chris Tillman. <laughs> because he seems to be so dependent on his defense saying, don't worry, Chris, we'll do something highly improbable to get you out of this one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, there is a certain amount where you want pitchers to play to the defense that's behind them, but I don't think that a strike them out, the home out is exactly what we're talking about here. I think that's more like induced ground balls, right? I have to say, it is very nice to see uh, Matt Weider's caught stealing percentage is back up this year. I believe it's with that, this most recent caught stealing, over 40%. Mm-hmm. And it's really nice to see that that is a weapon in his arsenal again, especially working. given how terrible he's been offensively. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, girl. Pedro. <laughs> Pedro just put one onto the warehouse. Utah, baby. <laughs> Utah. Goodness gracious. I don't remember what I was saying about Chris Tillman, and it doesn't matter because Pedro Alvarez just hit the holy bejesus out of a ball. <laughs> oh, are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? Yes. All hail. Shit. What's that? What's that? That. Uh, uh, what's that university? The Mormon University? You know. You know the one. Over there. Give me a ticket to Salt Lake City because Pedro just hit one to Utah. Uh. I was trying to make a Mormon joke. <laughs> and All right, I like where you're going with that, but that was... Uh, this is... Okay, so... Gosh, are these two teams playing to their <laughs> <laughs> theoretical strengths? <laughs> two mashers for the Orioles scoring three runs and uh some small ball ridiculous infield yes. bullshit for their a's and they also have three runs the the death by a thousand cuts approach of the oakland athletics versus the death via battle axe <laughs> approach <laughs> of the baltimore orioles oh another wild pitch by graveman there but doesn't matter because no one's on base Boy, it'd be fun if Pedro Alvarez got super hot, wouldn't it? Yeah, this this lineup plus uh, Pedro Alvarez and a reanimated corpse of Adam Jones, and suddenly you're looking at a pretty good offense. And we should say, especially over the last, let's call it 10 games or so, Pedro Alvarez has started to hit the ball with authority, including the, up, the other way a few times, uh, and obviously had that huge sack fly off of Andrew Miller in that last game of the Yankees series, the one to nothing 10 inning victory, which I don't think any of us saw coming. And it looks like your boy, Johnny (laughs) Scopes has just gone yardo. Goodness gracious. I love this team so much, Smith. (laughs) It's a great team. I love this, this stupid baseball team so much, especially when they do this kind of thing. Don't wow. throw fastballs to this team, <laughs> don't, no. you idiot. Don't ever, don't ever put anything over the plate. Goodness gracious. So here's the question. According to, to, to what we usually do, Chris Tillman will now give the lead back in the top of the third, right? I mean, either that or he will he retire the next and 18 eight, batters yeah, in a row. Seven and a half, eight. And yeah. there's literally no way for us to, us to know which one it is. But that's the, I mean, like... I've been looking at Jake Arrieta's numbers, don't, and I know do I that. know you and Why my you therapist both suggested that I don't look at Jake Arrieta's numbers. Smith, we talked about this. <laughs> but one of the things that has really 
stood out to me is his consistency. And I think that every time he gets up, he is putting out a quality start. I mean, he's he's really uh, – it's not always, you know, a complete perfect game or whatever, but he's he is consistent and he's never um, – he, 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 if he gives up a home run, he then retires the next five. And I remember Jake Arrieta. He didn't do that. No. And that's, to me, a mental thing. I mean, that's sort of like trusting your stuff enough to know that even if you get beat on occasion, you're still a good pitcher is, I think, something that is more of a of a, of a mental problem than it is anything else. And... I don't understand why the Orioles can't seem to coach that up. Well, in, in I do want to say in Chris Tillman's defense, I think Chris Tillman does do that. I think Chris Tillman has less pure talent than Jake Arrieta. True. But I think Chris Tillman has been successful in the way that he has been in the past. And, you know, we're obviously making fun of him for relying on his defense too much. But he knows when he doesn't have a good feel for the knuckle curve. He knows when he cannot get the two-seam fastball to run the way he wants it to. And I would say more often than not over the last few years, we have seen him figure out his way to gut through games without letting them get out of hand and still keep the team in the game. And then when he's brilliant in the other starts, that nets out to a pretty solid pitcher. Yeah. I would say, though, that you're absolutely correct when you look at uh, members of our rotation like, say, Mike Wright. Mm -hmm. And I think this was the case to some extent with uh, Wei-Yin Chen as well, where when the game would get out of hand, I think you would see Chen give up on himself a little bit. Um, And with Mike Wright, I think it's extremely obvious. You can see him heaving and breathing heavily on the mound when he is giving up these opposite field based hits base hits against the shift that in a certain sense aren't his fault but he still needs to figure out a way to get out of the inning and minimize the damage and trust his stuff and he doesn't do that like that baltimore chop that tillman gave up that would have crushed brian mattis oh i think i, mean, I think he, it's likely he, that he, he he might have even started to cry on the mound <laughs> He doesn't. He doesn't have any of that like, like, perspective or anything. And I, I, I blame the coaching for that. I don't know. I mean, there certainly does seem to be, and this has been something that's been in the news this year, courtesy of the interview that Zach Britton gave to Jeff Passan of Yahoo about what the experience, what Jake Arrieta's experience with uh, Rick Adair was when mm. Rick Adair was the pitching coach. It seems like there is a problem in the Orioles player development system with developing pitching talent. And I think it's your point is very interesting because usually we tend to attribute that to not letting them throw the cut fastball and some having a preternatural ability to have them get these minor injuries, viz Hunter Harvey, Dylan Bundy, et cetera, et cetera. Gossman. But there's a a psychological component too that that just seems to be somewhat persistent and obviously that's impossible it's impossible for us to know what the origins of that are but it it does seem to breed this this mediocrity complex i'd just like to chime in briefly with a, a little gary thorne love uh god bless the man mm but he cannot figure out how to pronounce Mark Canna's name. And I'm saying Canna because last year he called him Mark Canna. And this year, as you are all hearing, he's literally saying, Canna, Canna. 
Markana. <laughs> while we're while we have the mics turned back on, shout out to O's Uncensored on Twitter. The pitching situation for the Athletics today is grave, man. <laughs> nice work. One might also say it's not handsome, like unto a Ken doll. <laughs> Hello, Joey, Joey Rickard. Rickard with the Superman catch of Mark Knaas fly ball. <laughs> you know what? I'm back on the Joey Rickard train. <laughs> I never got off. Also, good to see Chris Tillman coming out into the first batter of the inning after the Orioles give him back the lead, giving up a rope to left center field <laughs> to a guy who's batting, wait for it, 132. <laughs> Trumbo Ooh, just that's a second. No, no, not quite second deck, but he definitely got all of that one. That was a two-run Mark Trumbo uh, jumbo. Jumbo Trumbo bomb. So for those of you keeping score at home, which I am, <laughs> that's four home runs off of Kenny Graves, who is not pitching as smoothly as his namesake, Kenny G., Plays the saxophone. I am so proud of myself for that one. It's it's pretty embarrassing, actually. Now, can I say something? Certainly. Can I say something, Smith? You were you were talking about Jake Arrieta earlier, mm-hmm. and I'll grant you the Jake Arrieta trade was a little uh, let's call it one sided, mm-hmm. ultimately. But I believe. We received one Steve Clevenger mm-hmm. for Jake Arietta. <laughs> and I believe one Steve Clevenger is all we had to give up for one Mark Trumbo. That's true. Who, were it not for Manny Machado running an AL MVP campaign here in the early going, would be right there in that conversation himself. That's true. Now, That's it's not going to last no. for the whole season. <laughs> no. But... He's hitting better than Nelson Cruz was hitting. That's true. At this time in 2014. So let's just dry our tears a little bit, please. Sure. Can we just go ahead and just slot Adam Jones and Matt Wieters into the 8 and 9 slots? Because (laughs) they feel so much like guaranteed outs right now. I I know that they will not be for the entire season. I know that they will get Wieters will be. Wieters will be. No! Sure no. he will. Sure he will. <laughs> when when has Matt Wieters ever exceeded your expectations, Smith? We let's we need to be realistic, okay? I, enough of this feeling the burn bullshit. <laughs> Matt Wieters is proof that we all have to settle for a center left, probably pandering, not particularly interesting Hillary Clinton. Welcome to America, my friend, in 2016. <sighs> Other than that, you're living in a pink bat world, my friend. <laughs> pink bat, pink face. Oh, goodness. Oh, goodness. If you name your child Ryan Dull, you're setting a cap, right? I mean... Like, you're, you're, giving, him a, you're giving him a ceiling that he's not going to be able to exceed. I would like to have seen, not to note his parents... But I'd like to have seen 
them go a little bit more imaginative for the first name than Ryan. Sure. If the last name was literally going to be Dull. Right. Although Ryan Dull manages to lull the Orioles to sleep. <laughs> it may not be exciting, <laughs> but he gets outs. He gets outs. That's what it says on his business card. <laughs> What we've just seen, Alan Smith, is textbook Chris Tillman. He gives up the line drive single to Danny Valencia. He gives up a line drive to center field against Yonder Alonso that Adam Jones just happened to be perfectly positioned for and is able to run down, catch on the fly. Walks Coggleglin, the 148 hitter. Did I mention Coggleglin is only hitting 148? It sounds familiar. Then again, Semyon takes the count to three and two and is only able to strike him out because Semyon, for reasons best known only to him, decides to swing on three and two at a frisbee slider at his chin Mm -hmm. and strikes out. And then somehow Ryan Flaherty heads up play, manages to get us out of the inning. Chris Tillman truly lives a blessed life. And because you are able to say that sentence that you just said, Ryan Flaherty heads up play gets us out of the inning, once every two months, <laughs> he continues to be a major league baseball player. Yeah, that's true. The fact that in order for Chris Tillman to be successful, Ryan Flaherty has to do something improbably successful with a baseball glove. It's just... It, it, that's what creates that special Chris Tillman heartburn. It's true. Well, but also, Chris Tillman is the, the living example of the, the famous Bull Durham quote about hitting. You know the difference between hitting 250 and 300 is? That's 25 hits. 25 hits in 500 at-bats is 50 points. That's six-month season, about 25 weeks. That means if you get just one extra flare a week, just one, a gork, you get a ground ball, you get a ground ball with eyes, you get a dying quail, just one more dying quail a week, and you're in Yankee Stadium. This is the difference between Chris Tillman sticking around and not, it seems to me. And that's not a margin that I'm totally comfortable with. (laughs) And of course... As always happens, and it is, is so often pointed out by the Mass and Broadcast team, you make a nice play to end the previous inning, you lead off batting in the bottom of the next, or in the top or bottom of the next inning, as is the case with Ryan Flaherty here. Now, of course, it being Ryan Flaherty, you immediately ground out softly to the second baseman. Again, Chris Coggleglin. Playing perfectly in the shift. Who is this guy? Ladies and gentlemen, your fifth and least likely home run of the afternoon, courtesy of number 23 in your scorebooks and number one in your hearts, the unsinkable Joey Rickard. The unsinkable Joey Rickard. You know, Oriole uh, Baltimoreans, we are, we are aware that we owe you a nickname episode. It's, it's and been it's something in preparation. It's in preparation, and it's something that we're losing sleep over. I myself have been tossing and turning, realizing that we have failed roundly to deliver possibly our only useful contribution. <laughs> oh, to, it's a little early for that much truth, Smith. <laughs> to polite society. I haven't had enough uh, beverages for that much truth. But, but the unsinkable Joey Rickard uh, has a nice ring to it. I think it does. We'll just, we'll just say that. Um, also, 
there is no reason at all. There is no reason that uh, the A's outfielder didn't catch that ball. <laughs> right off the glove of Mark Ka. <laughs> <laughs> In the spirit of Jim Palmer earlier identifying a Kendall Graveman pitch as cheese at the knees, I'd like to shout out the Orioles fan who was just shown on the broadcast holding the sign that says, hit some bombs for the moms here on this Mother's Day. Solid work. Very solid. Sam, if you were a betting man, given what you've seen so far from Chris Tillman, would you suggest that he makes it through six innings? 77 pitches through four. You know, I'm going to go ahead and say, yes, I'd, I'd put money on him, him getting through the sixth. Through six. All right. All right. Not a, not a whisper past it. No, he, we, we will not see him after six. But you're, you're saying he's going to make it to a quality start. I think he's going to load the bases in this inning. <laughs> I think maybe he can give up a run. Then it's no longer a quality start. Get a double play. I didn't say shit about a quality start. <laughs> I'm, I would not put any amount of money on that. And see, that's because I realize that there's a technical definition to a quality start. Sure. But I feel that what we have seen from Chris Tillman so far is not, not a quality, quality start. start. It, doesn't, it doesn't meet the spirit of the definition. No, it doesn't at all. One more, one more, uh, one more poetry point to give out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gary Thorne just said the phrase, some of the moms, mm-hmm. which doesn't rhyme from a strict language standpoint but because it's gary thorne he said some of the mums some of the moms <laughs> and it's yet another spectacular moment in gary thorne broadcast history as his favorite player mark <laughs> comes up to bat now smith just out of curiosity as uh chris tillman has just retired Stephen vote on a fly ball to left field to end the top of the fifth inning how much do i get if tillman does make it through the sixth did we do we place an place an official bet uh lunch is on me oh boy all right i'll take that deal i will take that deal i don't think it's gonna happen tweet at us baltimoreans what should we have for lunch <laughs> Be more be totally useless. It's the Twitter handle. But, you know, let us know what direction we should have gone in. Yeah, yeah. All of you, I'm sure, are familiar with the local takeout establishments of <laughs> Prospect Heights, Brooklyn. <laughs> now, as we said, ladies and gentlemen, we are in the process of preparing that nickname episode for you. Mark Trumbo just hit. The cheapest triple you ever will see, <laughs> which was a lazy fly ball to right field that Josh Reddick lost in the sun. Trips Trumbo, I think, has a certain <laughs> ring to it. A certain je ne sais quoi. Yeah. Uh, I, you know what I appreciate about Mark Trumbo is that, that was a lazy fly ball to, to right, and he ran hard the entire way. Sure did. Sure did. It's the kind of thing we used to uh, give plaudits to the next batter, Matt Wieters, about before Matt Wieters became an automatic out. <laughs> it really, it's really a shame that we are uh, putting Trumbo, who is, as you've said before, putting up essentially MVP-type numbers uh, in a situation where he has guaranteed outs on both sides of him. It really is. 
And he's now 0-2 on Weeders, who only needs to hit a fly ball here. That's all he has to do. It's the first triple of the season for the Baltimore Orioles. <laughs> As we said earlier, speed, not a huge part of the game. And, and speed, not what Trumbo brought. I would also point out to those keeping track at home that uh, Trumbo is now a double shy of the cycle. <laughs> here's the thing. Here's the thing for you, Sam. Did you know there's such a thing as, an, as a natural cycle? Um, oh, I'm I'm aware of that as a birth control method. <laughs> according to Sorry, the went a little blue, little blue. <laughs> according to the scoreboard at Yankee Stadium, which is not necessarily something we should trust for its uh, its regular. Mm-hmm. regular intelligence and wit mm-hmm. but um the natural cycle is a single followed by a double followed by a triple followed by a home run okay and has not happened much at all in the history of baseball uh so it's and now is that what felix pa did when he did it for us remember remember old felix pa i think not i don't i don't think that was a natural i think that was a uh which actually does imply that the other cycle is an unnatural cycle <laughs> The it word, is a godless cycle, and it is an abomination to nature and man. <laughs> the word natural, I think, pretty rarely applied to Felix P.A. <laughs> in any sense you'd care to name. He's not still in baseball, is he? No. Okay. Good. No, certainly not. <laughs> certainly not. It was a beautiful night. No, I think the triple was the final um, the final hit. That's right. I believe, I believe that is correct. Um, so the natural I think, cycle... I think he, he hit the ball, and everybody, if I remember correctly... Everybody, including Felix P.A., knew that he was not stopping at second. <laughs> it didn't matter if he was thrown out at third. He was, he was going to leg it. So the natural cycle fitting into the pantheon of unlikely baseball achievements right alongside the Immaculate Game. <laughs> which, that's definitely never happened, right? Also, remarkably connected to birth control. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. Well, it was Easter a few weeks ago. <laughs> What uh? What 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 would happen for the immaculate game to happen? The immaculate game is a perfect game with twenty seven strikeouts. Oh no, that's never happened. That's never happened. <laughs> I don't think that's ever going to happen. No, that's silly. You know who'd do it if it did though? Jake Arrieta. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, lot riding on the sixth <laughs> inning. Lot riding on the sixth inning, as you've already heard on the broadcast, Alan Smith has bet me lunch, mm-hmm. which is going to be Indian food, for those of you who are interested. We uh, just racked up a solid $30 Indian food bill. If Tillman makes it through the sixth, I'm dining out on the Alan Smith Visa Platinum card. Mm-hmm. And if he does what is more likely... <laughs> and shits the bed. This one's going on, uh, going on the... I think I'll put this one on the Amex. <laughs> the old juggle. Ooh, Chris Tillman really invested in Sam Dingman's lunch options here. That beautiful slider to strike out Danny Valencia. On three pitches for those keeping track at home. Gotta keep that pitch count down if you want to make it through six, son. <laughs> oh, dear. That is just not real. It, it is looking a little bit like Chris Tillman is uh, likely to successfully eke out a quality start here, um, which does beg the question, why do we call them quality starts? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, when you're on the free agent market, which Chris Tillman's going to hit eventually, and that's going to be interesting. That is going to be interesting. 
you want to have stats like quality starts and holds, mm-hmm. your kind of second-order stats that allow your agent to to bargain in insane ways and get things like a five-year, $80 million weigh-in Chen contract. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Weiyin Chen, guilty of some of the most low-quality quality starts, I think, in, in Baltimore Orioles history. Yep, yep. He was famous for the... That's two strikeouts for Tillman, Smith. <laughs> and I think the real question is... Does he sniff the seventh? Is he going to make his way into the seventh inning under 100 pitches at 95 now with two down here in the top of the fifth? Uh, Excuse me, top of the sixth. That's true. We still only need a walk and a salami for (laughs) the Indian food to (laughs) shift hands. Well, and it is arch nemesis Chris (laughs) Kagalagalan who has reached twice on base on balls. Again, Chris Kagalagalan... Hitting 148, entering <laughs> play today. If Chris Tillman K's the side on nine pitches, I'm going to be real, real upset. And I'm going to be real well fed. <laughs> Tandoori chicken. And there it is, Smith. Chris Tillman striking out the side. <laughs> Earning Sam Dingman a free lunch on the Alan Smith Visa Platinum card. All it takes, all it takes, is a little bit of aggressive shade with my money behind it for Chris Tillman to really pick up his game. I apologize, Baltimore. I should have done that in the third inning. Save everybody a lot of stress. I'm gonna eat that chicken tikka masala nice and slow, man. <laughs> I'm gonna chew that slow. Everybody, everybody, drink. <laughs> Jonathan Scope just got an opposite field base hit. Drink at once. This is the only time this year that I think we can say that. You just saw it. This is Haley's Comet, people. (laughs) I have to say, uh, the Oakland Athletics are rivaling the New York Yankees for goofy middle relief guys. As Wendelkin gets ready in the bullpen. (laughs) Dull is already gone. We've got... uh, Rizaprinsky's currently in the game. <laughs> I, I would like to let everybody know that here in my scorebook for Zepchinski, I just wrote RZ, etc. Because I, who has time to figure out how to spell that name? Yes, my home does have the internet. <laughs> you wouldn't know it with the podcast release schedule we've been on recently, <laughs> but I do get periodic signal from the good folks at Optimum. I'm, I'm going to take that back. They aren't good folks. <laughs> The folks at Optimum. We'll just leave it there. Yeah. This is an obnoxious thing to do, but I'm going to do it anyway. Okay. A moment ago, Alan Smith composed what I think (laughs) might be the greatest tweet in... I'm going to go ahead and say the history of the world. (laughs) Seems reasonable. Alan, would you read that tweet? Um... Tillman closes out his quality start in a way that would take a Trump a weekend to disavow. K, K, K. Now that is... <laughs> now you guys, you guys all know Alan Smith. You know he's a brilliant man. I am not surprised by his brilliance. But as you know, Chris Tillman struck out the side in the top of the sixth to secure the quality start. And I just think credit where credit is due to alan smith for that tweet 
<laughs> the internet has been less uh, enthused so far. Well, you know, we haven't we haven't really been good to the internet lately. <laughs> That's true. So That's true. Maybe this is just the internet giving us what for. <laughs> we are due some shade. I'd just like to point out that uh, Brad Brock just struck, excuse me, Brad Brock just struck out Mark on four pitches by going hard after him with fastballs at the top of the zone. Mark Kana, who entered this game hitting under 200. Compare that to Chris Tillman's approach, which was in the first inning to hit him with a pitch. In the third inning, drove one to the left center field gap, which only didn't become a hit because Joey Rickert can fly, literally, and caught it on an incredible diving play. Got him to ground out in the fifth, but still, challenge the man. Man, you should not challenge at this point. <laughs> uh, Reddick, who I don't think we've gotten out all series. I, I don't think we had. He just lined a single to right field, putting his on-base percent. His on-base percentage, I remember distinctly, in game one of this series was 322. It is now up over 360. <laughs> Courtesy your Baltimore Orioles pitching staff. You're welcome. Josh Reddick, free agent next year, should give a percentage <laughs> of his salary to the Orioles. <laughs> Of course, the Orioles may be paying his salary next year. Right. Josh right. Reddick, exactly the type of dude Danny, Danny Duquette's going to go after. Probably offer him a three-year deal. Probably take less to sign with another team. <laughs> Sounds exciting. The old Dexter Fowler plan. I'd just like to say it. We say it every year. It is good that if you purchase one of the game-worn Mother's Day jerseys, that a portion of the proceeds go to breast cancer research. That is a good thing. But it's pretty ridiculous that the Baltimore Orioles don't instead just make a donation from their own generous profits to breast cancer research instead of relying on the fans to buy game-worn jerseys to do that. And maybe they're making some kind of matching donation that I'm not aware of, but offloading the generosity onto the fans and even then only donating a portion of the proceeds or maybe it's all the proceeds either way offloading the generosity onto the fan base i don't give major league baseball or the orioles a lot of credit for generosity on that nope all of us can make donations to breast cancer research on our own but if it's actually something that the team believes in and that major league baseball believes in they should do it with their own money Put some skin in the game. All right, Smith. Multiple choice quiz. Mm. Is Wendelkin the name of A, an elf in an obscure fantasy series? Sure. A corrupt political boss in... Some some poorly written David Simon fan fiction. <laughs> or C, a relief pitcher. C, a relief pitcher for the Oakland Athletics. Or D, all of the above. <laughs> I think he's uh, C, about to be the reliever who gives up a double to complete Trumbo's cycle. The old Trummy Sykes. Trips Trumbo, as we're calling him. Trumbo, as you will recall, achieved a triple uh, a couple innings ago 
by hitting a lazy fly ball to Josh <laughs> Reddick that got lost in the sun. No disrespect to Josh Reddick on that one. It, it's, a, it's a difficult day to play right field in Baltimore. But that's the only way you're ever going to see Trips Trumbo live up to his name. Now, I've, I've made a goof up here in my scorecard, Smith. Oh, yeah? Because unless Jed Lowry was swallowed by the clubhouse monster, mm. I don't recall how he was retired he, in the uh, he, bottom he, of the seventh. He broken bat flared it to uh, Flaherty, who threw him out. Now, I had it that Josh Reddick did that. Oh, right, Josh Reddick. Josh Reddick had a single because that's what Josh Reddick does. This is live on-air scorebook correction. <laughs> A new segment that we're <laughs> debuting here, folks. Let us know what you think about it uh, at Be Morons on Twitter. Look, you it wanted is. us back, you got us back. We're not at full strength yet. <laughs> this is this is still uh, spring training cuts for us. Give us a goddamn break. <laughs> we're we're kind of in that. You know, we're still looking for the stroke. We're we're the Matt Weeders of Orioles podcasts right now. Ouch! The prospect <laughs> shimmer is off the rose. <laughs> Surprising statistic. Just learned from the Masson broadcast, Manny Machado batting 226 in his career with the bases loaded. Lower than you'd expect. Not to take anything away from the man. Obviously, he makes innumerable other contributions. But uh, that is one of those statistics I always find fascinating, is that oftentimes the people who you consider to be the best hitters in the game have oddly low offensive numbers in high-leverage situations. And a lot of the players who have the worst top-line offensive statistics are oddly good in the high-leverage situations. Manny in a one-and-two hole off of young Wendelkin, who I learned after we finished giving him a hard time about his last name, (laughs) is making his Major League debut today against, at least in today's iteration, a positively terrifying Baltimore (laughs) Orioles offense. So So uh, fair play to you, son. Good a, a, a gamey effort Indeed. from the young man, no matter what happens here. But Sam, we, we are at real risk with the bases juiced and zero outs. We're at real risk of scoring a run some other way than a home run. I don't believe it's going to happen. No? I don't believe it's going to happen. I think Manny Machado is probably going to strike out here. Oh, Manny nope. might have only, just only, hit a grand slam. Only on home runs. Still only on home runs. Manny! I love you! Only home runs, though. That's all. That's all we do. I love you, Manny. Oh, that was a no goddamn doubter. He just hit the bejesus out of that ball. Did it make it into the Orioles bullpen or the uh, opposing team's bullpen? There, bombs for the moms. Oh boy, that was that was fun. That was fun. I enjoyed that. <laughs> Well, Smith, we've uh, we've come to the we've come to the end of the first uh, Baltimore on's ride along Sunday of 2016. How do you feel? I feel good. This was uh, obviously a pretty fun baseball game to watch. Eleven to three doesn't hurt if you're an Orioles fan. Eleven to three doesn't hurt. We got the little bit of a seventh, eighth, ninth inning uh, doldrums that comes from being up by a lot, but uh, it's a it's a fun game to watch. And unlike usual Sunday games, the Orioles seem to have managed to. Uh, I mean, this Athletics team is. Nothing to write home about, but uh, it was a good good win. 
I was not. I was not planning on including them in any of my letters to, to the ancestral home. No. <laughs> Dear mother, <laughs> watched how, how a game between the Orioles and the Athletics again today. <laughs> how how you feeling? Well, I think uh, I think I was I was saying this earlier, but I'm not sure if the recorder was on. I feel like for. The Orioles went through, particularly in the latter half of April and the first couple of games of this month, quite the buzzsaw of competitive teams. Had tough series against Texas, tough series against the White Sox, um, and there's obviously going to be a lot more difficult series the rest of the way. But to take two out of three from the Yankees, two out of three from the Athletics, and to now head out for three games against Minnesota... This is going to be a part of the season where the Orioles really need to run up the win total because the, as we have, as has already become clear, the American League East is going, everybody's going to be bunched very close together this season. And this is going to be a critical time for us to rack up a whole bunch of wins uh, so that when things get rough farther down the line, we, we've already got those banked. I think it could also be an opportunity, hopefully, to get jonesy and chris davis off the schneid matt weeders i think is a lost cause Um, (laughs) because obviously uh as we have been discussing throughout the broadcast here this afternoon if that doesn't happen it's going to put a lot of pressure on machado and trumbo to continue being otherworldly yeah and i think that uh so far just keep winning those series just keep winning those series um it's exciting to see uh you know that maybe 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 we can survive those doldrum twenty inning scoreless uh, streaks with a with a one one split. That seems fine. All right, folks. Well, that'll do it for this first Baltimore on's ride along Sunday of 2016. Thank you so much for uh, reliving the game. We're calling it a ride along Sunday, but you're really reliving <laughs> the game with us if you've listened to this all the way through the end. And if you have. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. And uh, we've got that nickname episode coming your way soon. So we'll talk to you then. And in the meantime, Alan Smith, I have a question for you. Sam Dingman. Or do you have a question for me? <laughs> I have a question for you. I, I'd love to hear it. Uh, what would you call Henry Arudia if he, instead of uh, the recently ousted presidential candidate, had been named Lucifer by one John Boehner? I don't know. What would you call him? Ted and ladies and gentlemen i feel safe telling you that that is probably the last ted cruz joke you will ever hear on baltimoreans nah (laughs) why would i say something like that Baltimoreans is a member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network. Find, find more podcasts like this at baltimoresportsreport.com. <laughs>